The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media, and I have right here in my hand just a gem of a book called Get Real Leadership. It's a practical approach that delivers relationships, respect, and results. And the author of that book, Harry S. Campbell, is with us today to talk about what Get Real Leadership is all about. Welcome to the show today, Harry. Thanks so much, Kelly. So happy to have you here. And I want to introduce our listeners to you a little bit more. One of your key principles or the key principle of your book is authenticity, about being real. So tell us about the real Harry Campbell. Oh, um, I'd love to. Well, I'm a liberal arts guy. I uh, was an East Asian history major at Vanderbilt, got an MBA at uh, the Kelly School of Business at uh, Indiana University, and then spent seven years at P&G uh, in marketing. It's kind of where I grew up is probably the best thing to say. Mm-hmm. Moved to Kansas City 20 years ago, right after my seven years with P&G. Been in Kansas City since then, primarily worked for Sprint and Embark, Was had the uh, opportunity to be a president of a major division of each of those companies, but also in between, between the ages of 36 and 40, I quit the big company. I was a co-owner of a small business in Kansas City first. Mm -hmm. In fact, we were the Mr. K Award winners in 1998, which was very, very fun and uh, exciting. That's a great program, yeah. Oh, you know, the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce uh, with the Small Business Celebration and Small Business Week and um, the Mr. K Award. It was uh, just fantastic. And then um, in addition to that, I also um, took the opportunity to be the leader and the CEO of an Internet startup trying to raise money at the the last time there was a big run-up in the NASDAQ in the late 90s and the um, early part of this century. And so I've had an unusual experience of working with startups, small companies, and huge organizations, which has been uh, made my journey rather um, uh, different and interesting. Yes, you've run the gamut there. And I'm going to ask you a question. It just actually occurred to me right now, and that is having worked across such a broad range of company types, company sizes, startup, small and large corporations. Does leadership does leadership differ uh, depending on the size of the company? Do you find that it's that you, that you uh, practice leadership in a different way? Uh, Kelly, I think uh, the answer is leadership doesn't differ. And um, I, I really you think those, say are, that, but yeah. those, those those are skill sets, I think, that uh, you learn. They don't have to do with um, specific degrees and schools and where you work and what industry, and they have to do with skills. And we can talk about that further. Um, I do believe the second part of your question, which there kind of was two parts, is um, you do have to operate differently and lead differently when you're in a little company versus a big company. But that really is more... Um, 
in, in some ways, it's kind of logistically oriented. If you're in an organization like I was at Embark, where I had 3,500 people, I had um, a dedicated secretary and executive assistant uh, besides that and a bunch of vice presidents working for me, and um, uh, a huge organization and responsibility, including dealing with Wall Street and board, that is a very different proposition than a startup of 20 people that's trying to raise money um, where you're the person that changes the paper and the copier when it uh, runs out. You're the person that has to figure out uh, which way is up with regard to your Microsoft Office suite, and you do it. So it, it's very different, but, in fact, the skill set is incredibly similar. Sure. Yes, I, and I, I totally, I totally understand what you mean about uh, trying to deal with with some of the big picture items, but at the same time, you're trying to figure out whatever computer glitch is going on at the time. And, right. Yep. All right. So let's turn now to your book. You had somewhere in your book, you said that you had read or been presented with numerous books on leadership throughout your career, and you were always somewhat skeptical of those books. You know, people who uh, set out this path, this roadmap. If you just follow this, you're going to be a great leader, and that just wasn't clicking with you. Yet here you are now putting out your own book on leadership, and I just have to ask you, how is your book different? Uh, very fair question, and should be asked every time I talk to somebody. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I believe, whether right it's true ahead. or not. Uh, the people that buy it and read it uh, should answer that for themselves. I, I think more than anything, what I wanted to do was capture the stories and the journey and the um, um, I'll call it the influences that I've had in my life. So in a lot of ways, um, I'm not proposing that what I'm saying is any sort of magic elixir. It's not necessarily a lightning bolt that's going to change things. What I wanted to do was talk about how I felt like I was successful, how other people I believed could use those same basic tenets of authenticity or getting real to be successful. And frankly, the reason I wrote it is because I'm a storyteller. My parents were both teachers. I love to teach. And it gave me the opportunity to... Um, memorialize some of the things that have happened and some of the blessed people that I've been able to work with and that have influenced me. And beyond that, um, I can't even suggest whether what I say is something that somebody else should do, but it's what's happened with me, and I felt like um, telling those stories was really important from my standpoint. One of the things that you address in the book, actually the big thing that you address in the book, and that some people do really question, uh, even people who are out there, uh, in leadership positions, they sometimes feel like they have to sacrifice their relationships in order to be a leader, and vice versa, that if they really focus in on their relationships, then they can't be an effective leader. So you put, for for yourself anyway, and, and I've read the book, you, you you have a definite answer for that question. Can you be an effective leader and still have authentic relationships? Um, I would say resoundingly yes. Um, let me think. I was about four years into my career with Procter & Gamble, and I was given the opportunity to move to northwest Arkansas. And it was a cool thing that was happening. There was the formation of the first ever customer team down in the Walmart, uh, northwest Arkansas area. I said yes, moved down there, and shortly thereafter I was able to uh, start spending some time and being in meetings with Sam Walton. I was a young punk, not very long out of school, so I wasn't making a lot of key decisions, but I watched him operate. Kelly, the man was the nicest person I've ever met. 
He remembered my name. He interacted with me. He engaged with his employees. It was amazing. He was completely authentic, very real, had great relationships, and was adored. But at the same time, he was competitive, he was hard-nosed, and he was looking to win. I loved that about him. It was the first person I'd ever seen that was that nice and that driven, and I realized at that point that if the richest man in the world could pull this off, that it was a it was a formula that could work, and I decided that I was going to try to do everything I could to be wildly successful in business, still maintain relationships, be very nice and true to myself and to other folks. So Sam Walton, I would say, showed me the way to be able to do that. Well, and you, you make a very good point about uh, can you have one or the other because you would think that they're in direct conflict with each other, that somebody who's hard-nosed, competitive, looking at the bottom line, you know, the profitability, that it would be very difficult to be nice, to be a friend, to have an open-door policy, uh, and a lot of the other things that you talk about in your book. Uh, the I, I can't remember exactly what you call it, but direct line to Harry, or uh, what, 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 what was that program that you yeah. had where anybody could come directly to you without, uh, without having to go up the, the ladder, follow some protocol? Um, I, I did it all the time. I, I insisted on and anybody in my org at any time they wanted could email me or call me without copying their boss or going through a chain of command because I felt like that was critically important that if something um, needed to be said and I was the person who needed to tell it to, I needed to have that open. At the end of the day, um, I I basically started working uh, when I got out of uh, business school in 1985. And Kelly, what we're talking about now is not normal. Um, I had not seen people in the first four or five years I had worked that had the model of um, building relationships and really, I would say, charismatically trying to lead people in a way that showed they cared while at the same time winning in business. I didn't have that model. And when Sam showed that, I said, wow, that's very cool. So I don't I don't think it existed very frequently back in the 80s. I think it started to build in the 90s, and I think it's more frequent now. There's companies that do this now. But I believe it's so important, and to me, it was a great way to do it, and it's what I embraced. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your book. You, The book is divided primarily into three areas that you say you should focus on in leadership. What are those three areas? Uh, very simply, and I kind of draw it mentally as a pyramid, it's yourself. If you want to get real with yourself to be a leader, um, you need to get real with your people. And when I say people, I don't necessarily mean people that work for you. You can be a leader and you can get real with folks that are your peers. You can even do it with your boss or people that you're influencing, not just directly um, in line with. So at the bottom of the pyramid is yourself, the middle is your people, and the top is your business. I look at all those three things as very different but all critical in order to be an excellent leader. Yes, and let's let's capture some of the highlights of each of those areas of the pyramid. And starting at the bottom with yourself, one of the things that you mentioned when I first opened the book and I was looking down the table of contents and saw yourself, I said um, your brand. And I was thinking, well, shouldn't your brand be under your business? And then I realized you're talking about your personal brand. What do you mean by that when it comes to leadership in particular? Well, Kelly, this is very cool. So I grew up at Procter & Gamble, spent seven years there, and, and P&G, if nothing else, is a great marketing company that believes in brands. Brands have their own attributes. They have their own images. They have their own emotions they evoke. And, in fact, I realized that I had a brand myself. What P&G would say is we don't sell toothpaste. We sell Crest. And when I heard that, I said, wow, 
well, frankly, I'm different than anybody else. For better or for worse, I'm me. Right. What I wanted to do was try to figure out what my personal brand was because that's what people were reacting to. That's what people were hiring. That's what people would have um, do projects with is me as a person, but it's how they reacted with me. So I came to a conclusion 15 years ago that um, I picked the number, that there were seven words that describe you and your personal brand was wrapped around those seven. And understanding what your seven are, what you believe they are, and what the world thinks they are, and the potential gap between those two is critical in order to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And seven words, that's really key, So that you, because you have to be able to share your brand, too. And so it has to be something succinct and something that you can get your own arms around so that you can make sure you model it constantly. Um, yes. In fact, um, by the way, the seven was a made-up number by me. Um, the reason why I like that is because if you ask someone um, for some words to describe you, the first three or four, maybe even five, sometimes are easy, and then after that it gets harder. I wanted to get into words that get more depth behind it for mm-hmm. branding. Um, but you really do need to share it because uh, when, when I would stand in front of my org, and every time I got a new job, I would tell my org, this is my brand. These are my seven, and they included words like tenacious, impatient, optimistic. And it's those words that can help define me. Now, I... I, I wobble around, and sometimes I slightly change. I'm, I'm 50 now, and um, you do tweak your, tweak um, how you operate. But at the end of the day, those are the core attributes that I have, and if my organization understands that, I think I can be more effective with them and vice versa. Every time you get a new boss, you want to understand who and how they are anyway because they're the person that uh, is ends up driving the ship. What I was trying to do was truncate the process of them learning who I am and make it more uh, make make them more effective in dealing with the outside world instead of worrying about me. It's a fun exercise to do, by the way. And you need to find it out anonymously, Kelly, because if you ask someone to their face, face-to-face, um, describe me in seven words, you're going to get a, a probably a lot of pandering. There's not a lot of people that are going to give you the straight truth. You need to find it anonymously if possible. Well, and that leads me to my next question. How do you go about determining what those seven attributes or characteristics are? Uh, what kinds of exercises can you can you lead yourself through or, or lead others through? How, how do you go about uh, figuring out what those are? Well, simply, uh, if you can find somebody that can um, do the exercise for you and gather the info and then give it to you anonymously from the people that input it, that's great. Okay. Another way to do it is to go to my website. Um, it's Harry S. as in Sam Campbell dot com. If you click on my seven words, I actually have a tool out there. It's free, mm-hmm. and you can. Put email addresses in that people that you'd like to get the info from. They're able to input the seven words. It goes into um, a pack of other words that are put together and then delivered to the person that's asking without attribution to the individual importers. So you can find it out on my website. I, I will tell you that the first time you do it, it's a little disconcerting and may make you flinch. You, you'll love five. This is the way it always works, Kelly. You'll love five of the words. One of them you won't agree with, and one of them you won't like. That's generally what happens, and and that's hard to do the first time. Yeah, I, I can imagine. But it's HarrySCampbell.com, and Campbell is spelled with a P and a B. So HarrySCampbell.com. Go out there. This is a free tool that can get you started on what developing your brand. Actually, you're living your brand, whether whether you realize it or not, you have a brand. So this just helps you get in touch with what it is. Completely agree. And, and people that don't think they do are dreaming. Uh, you definitely have a brand. Just ask people around what the words are that uh, that stand for you. That's your brand, whether you want to, to believe it or not. Right. And so then 
Is there anything that you can do? You mentioned that some people get words back that they are a little bit, um, un, you know, uncomfortable with, and then some that they just flat out disagree with. What about what about those words? Is there something that if you really, because you have to be authentic, you have to be real, and if it's not something that you're happy with personally, and perhaps it's one of those gaps or it's some an opportunity for improvement, do you have uh, in your book exercises or on your website exercises or or uh, steps you can take to change that? I don't, and I'll tell you why. I actually thought about that. But what I really wanted to emphasize is that finding out what the world thinks of you is critically important. And, in fact, depending on what age you are, there's a reasonable chance you're not going to change dramatically, but having an awareness of who you are and how you are. And, and by the way, none of these words are uh, – almost no word you get back is good or bad. I have impatient. I will tell you, I'm the most impatient person in the world. It, it costs me occasionally, and I do things um, as a result of that that aren't good. In, in uh, I'm 50. It has not changed, and, and I doubt if it will. I, I work on it occasionally. But it, it just doesn't change much. So what I would say is the awareness is critical. The understanding of the ones that may cause you problems at certain times is critical because I think that thoughtfulness and being able to take a deep breath and say, wow, Harry, you are very impatient. In this situation, you need to slow down is more important. Changing isn't necessarily the goal. It's the awareness and the gap. It's the awareness of what the seven are. And it's the gap between what you think and what the world thinks, because that gap can be really critically bad if it's too wide. That's that's a great point. And, you know, the other thing that strikes me is that even though some of those characteristics may seem bad to you, you have to stop and think. In certain situations, they may serve you very well. Your impatience probably does serve you well in certain situations. So um, you, have to think you know, that's a, that's a great insight. It, and, and, in yeah. fact, that goes back to the idea that you, you shouldn't try to – I don't think you should necessarily try to change the words unless you really, truly don't like something. It's more important that you understand no, that's that's great advice. And there is more about that particular area about getting real with yourself. And if you're interested in that, I'm sure that in a little while, Harry will be glad to tell where we can get the book. But in the interest of time, let's move on to the next area, and that is getting real with your people. Sure. Um, Kelly, with regard to people, I think this is um, some fairly straightforward stuff that uh, a lot of people know as they're rising up through the ranks of a company or an organization, but I think sometimes forget when they're in charge. And it has to do with the simplicity of the message. Um, connecting with people is very important, and part of that means answering questions when they're given to you in simple terms, not getting into dissertations that, uh, um, for the lack of a better term, it sound like blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're also having uh, being willing to listen, being willing to uh, tap into people in the organization that have good ideas. All, all those kind of things matter to an organization because they lower anxiety. If an, I've found that no matter whether it's 10 people or 3,000, if an organization feels like they have the opportunity to input when possible and, it's, and, and the organ is open to it, or to even have an, a, a place to complain if they need to, then they may never do either of those two, two things, but the opportunity to do it simply and without friction is critical for them to get back to their job and try to beat the competition externally. Absolutely. And that leads us to the last area that you talk about in the book, and that is getting real with your business. How does all of this lead to the top of that pyramid and getting real with your business? Well, that one comes down to um, first and foremost is do your job. 
you can complain about getting a raise and when you're going to be promoted. You can try to figure out where you're going to be in five years. But at the end of the day, someone is either paying you or has asked you to do a job, and you need to do it. You need to get your head down. You need to be curious and ask questions, but you need to deliver. I don't care if you're checking groceries at a hen house in Kansas City or whether you're the CEO of Fortune 500 company. The bottom line is someone needs you to do your job. And if you're going to get real with your business, that that is important. You also need to be a change agent. You need to have um, vision to look out and say, hmm, the world is changing, the category is changing, the competitors are coming after me hard. What can I do to drive that change to get us to where we need to go? Because standing still in the competitive environment we're in today does not work. You have to improve to stay ahead. And I think getting real with your business involves several of those things. Yes, and uh, yeah, and like you say, if you're not moving forward, you're going to end up with a, a ticket to a, to the row in the or seat in the back row because everybody else is is moving forward with you. And as a business owner, which is primarily our audience, is the part about the vision and keeping up uh, is is incredibly important. You cannot afford to get complacent, cannot afford to to stand still, and that's part of your job as the business owner to be that visionary and also to cultivate the ideas and the knowledge that your employees have, that your staff has, in order to help keep you moving forward. So Absolutely. All of those things. Harry, we, you know, we're never enough time for these interviews. I know that we could go on and on here, but we do have limited time. Tell us where we can get a copy of your book. I'd be glad to. It's available on Amazon and also um, on e-readers in the Kindle format. And um, I self-published it, so I'm very fired up about it. We're closing in on 1,500 copies sold, which is, um, I, I think, more than I would have thought. But I really, given this is my first book, I wasn't sure what to expect. Sure. No, that's that's a great number to uh, be closing in on. And, again, the name of the book is Get Real Leadership, a practical approach that delivers relationships, respect, and results. And I think you can just from a little bit of information we were able to uh, talk about today, I think you could probably already start to see how this will get you results. And, Harry, you also have another reason for writing this book. You you send the proceeds to an organization that are very near and dear to your heart. You want to tell us about that? Um, I'd love to. Uh, 100% of the book royalties and 100% of the gross speaking fees I get as I travel around the country and talk about Get Real Leadership go to brain cancer research. The uh, not-for-profit that I give the money to is called Head for the Cure. It's in Kansas City, and um, it's in honor of my wife, Chris. Unfortunately, she was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor eight and a half years ago. She's a survivor today, and one of our goals is to do everything in our power to raise money to try to combat, travel around, speak, and give the royalties from the book and speaking to that cause. Absolutely. So, Harry, thank you so much for being on the show today. And, again, you can get a copy of his book, Get Real Leadership, at Amazon.com. You can go out and visit Harry's website and get the uh, tool for figuring out what your personal brand is at HarrySCampbell.com. Again, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. And we're going to be back with you next week with another exciting guest. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.